1: Welcome to ABG Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Mel. I'm Phoebe. I'm Elsa. I'm Lauren.
2: And I'm Joelle.
3: We started Asian Boss Girl with the intention to share the perspectives of the Asian and Asian American female experience. Obviously, with the three of us based in the US, a lot of our stories come from the context of us being American and growing up with influences from American culture. However, we know that the Asian female experience is way beyond just the
1: Asian American experience, which we see reflected amongst our listeners. Today, we wanted to spend some time exploring and learning about a different Asian female experience. We want to hear about the British Asian female experience. We also know that the Asian podcast space has grown so vibrantly throughout the years, and we wanted to welcome another Asian female podcast onto ABG. So today, join us as we welcome Phoebe, Elsa, Lauren, and Joelle from Spill the Cha. Welcome, ladies. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with us today.
3: Thanks for having us. Now I so said we are so excited. Obviously, we've seen you guys through so like, you know, the Instagram world and like have connected through there. But we are so excited to bring you guys on the mic and to share your experiences with our listeners. Do you each mind you know introducing yourself to our listeners? Let's start with like you know your name, your age, and you know what do you do for a living besides the podcast?
4: So my name's Phoebe. I'm twenty two and I'm doing sales and e-commerce analysis, which I just started like six months ago. So Ooh. we just graduated uni well Jo and I. and then yeah, we're working now. well, yeah. <laughs>
5: To speak yourself, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm Elsa, and I'm also 22, and I'm a master's student. So I'm doing um, a master's in business analysis and strategic management.
3: That sounds legit. Sounds
5: fancy.
6: I know. Hi everyone. Uh, I'm Lauren. I am 21, going on 22. So I'm the baby of the group. Um, I am currently actually on. So I'm finishing off my undergraduate degree and. I'm actually in California at the moment. I am in Santa Barbara. I'm at UC Santa Barbara. Go Gauchos. Um, (laughs) I love, sorry, random, I love school spirit here. I think it's brilliant. Um, But I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But yeah, so that's what I'm
2: doing. Um, I'm Joelle, I'm also 22, and I graduated from the Union of Bath last year, doing sociology, and now I'm product designer at Evintech. Ooh, product design, yes.
3: Wait, I don't know why, I just realized through your guys' intro that, like, when Lauren's like, I'm the baby, I'm 21, I was like, I'm the baby, and I was like, I'm 31. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny.
1: No, it's amazing to get also the... point of view of um, Asian women in their 20s because I think obviously we started the podcast when Mel was in her 20s and then I was in my early 30s. So now we've evolved to kind of offer the perspective of the 30-year-old age range. So Mm -hmm. I love to get this um, perspective from you all that you're literally just like almost fresh out of school
7: so Mm -hmm. this is wonderful
1: yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so how how did you all meet did you all meet in university or
6: how did you all meet and what inspired the four of you to start this podcast so i can start us off so joelle and i have known each other since we were born so our parents knew each other so we go way back and um the four of us kind of came together when we were maybe 12 13 and we met through church and we kind of just hit it off and we became really really good friends um and then we kind of started the podcast because of AVG. So we were talking about podcasting and we were like, "Listen." So I can't remember who it was, but they were like, "Listen, there's this there's this podcast called Asian Boss Girl and it's so good. You have to listen to it." So we all started listening and we were like, "Oh my goodness, this is amazing because we got to hear about your experiences as asian americans and then we started thinking we're like hey there's not a british version of this Mm -hmm. and in kind of podcasting space like none of us really knew that much about podcasting but even in media in general like we'd all Mm -hmm. heard about like wong fu pro and stuff like it's very it's still seems very niche Mm -hmm. but we thought okay let's try and start kind of a community in the UK and hopefully in the same way that you have kind of built this community we were like okay let's try and do this where we mm. live and we were so excited like when we started we started in 2020 it was during the pandemic mm.
5: we actually talked about starting it um, the summer of 2018 um, so we were on our first ever girls holiday and we we're sitting in a balcony um, in Portugal and we were like wow. you know what I think our conversations could actually be you know, worthy of a podcast episode. And then that's kind of where the idea started. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The idea started 2018. What, um how did you
1: all, did you do the same thing that we did, which is just get on and online and purchase mics and then start it? Like, you know, what was the
2: process like of getting your first episode? Funnily enough, we didn't actually start with mics. We started like with our phone audio mm. and we'd be like three, two, one, press record on like the audio <laughs> app. So like, if you listen to the first like maybe season or mm. first couple of episodes the audio is like not very good but it was like good enough um so that's kind of how we started and then a few episodes in or season in then we're like okay we should maybe buy some mics <laughs> um invest into this you know so that's kind of how we started out that's, that's amazing. amazing
3: wow jay and i said the same yeah. thing yeah <laughs> First of all, thank you so much. I know this is like very like flattering that you guys heard us and wanted to start your own. I just find it really interesting because, um, I think, cause when we started. Like, I only got into podcasts because like I worked corporate and like a lot of people my age around that time was like twenty twenty six, like our late twenties to thirties that people listen to podcasts. I didn't know people your age actually listened to it. I'm like find it cool and fascinating that you guys chose podcast versus like another type of medium to like capture your stories. Would you say podcast is also very like? popular amongst your age group yes i think it's
2: also less intimidating because Mm -hmm. it's only your voice Mm -hmm. i mean it was also very intimidating like oh we sound disgusting (laughs) yeah you have to cut out all the ums and ahs and all the pauses so it's less intimidating because you don't have to look you know in Mm. quotes good um oh i feel (laughs) you
6: (laughs) I was just going to say that that was definitely our biggest motivation being able to record in our pajamas we were like okay we could we could do YouTube we were like "Eh."
7: Mm.
6: (laughs) you know it's much more comfortable doing it from bed sometimes so Mm. that was why we decided to do podcasting (laughs) and amongst other reasons but
3: (laughs) okay I know I feel you like literally I the fact that I don't put on makeup for podcasts and just feel like in my sweatpants right now it's like the perfect reason to So thank you guys for sharing with us how you guys got started. So I kind of want to like segue us into talking about like kind of the different, I guess, like perspectives of being an American, being in British. So I feel like in the yes, we talk a lot about, you know, the American dream, which, you know, inspired a lot of our families to immigrate to America. You know, for you all, like what brought your family to the UK?
4: My parents were from Malaysia. They were born in Malaysia, and then they moved here to study at university in their 20s. Then they had me and we're here. So yeah.
2: Yeah, it's pretty much the same for me. My mom's from Hong Kong, my dad from Singapore. Um, they both came over for uni. They met, got married, had me, had my brother. So yeah, here mm.
5: we are. And for me, my parents came just before I was born. So they immigrated from Hong Kong. Um, so there were like a couple family members in the UK already. So they were thought, why not come mm. over? And yeah, that's how I'm, I'm here now. Yeah, mine's slightly different. So my grandparents, um,
6: they came to the UK for university and um, my grandparents met and then they had my dad um, who was born in the UK and then I was born there. So um, we always talk about this a lot about kind of second, third generation because I know there Mm -hmm. are different ways um, of people. I'm sure, I mean, I would technically class myself as a third generation. I don't know. In mm-hmm. the U.S., would you? What would you say as someone? How would you class yourselves? Like, what kind of
3: generation? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're second gen. I think we're se- we're second generation. Well, I've that's heard what it
1: use. I've heard it used both ways. Cause like, if we're also the first to be born in the U.S., mm. sometimes they they will call mm. that first generation, right? Or is yeah. it second generation? I think I think I've heard it yeah. used both ways, but it seems like your you know your experiences are very much like ours. Um, so your parents mm-hmm. come from uh, different countries within Asia, and then they came to the U.S. Except for I know. Um, Uh, Lauren, you mentioned it was your grandparents, but still it's not very many generations Mm -hmm. removed. And it does also mean that you grew up in a household where your parents have certain cultural values and certain belief systems. And then now you are being raised in a different country with different value systems Mm -hmm. and different beliefs. Um, How would you describe, I guess, like maybe how you grew up um, and I guess being within the UK, were you around like vibrant Asian Communities. Um, So, for example, like in the U.S., we have San Gabriel Valley over here in Los Angeles, where it's almost like um, like like a small Chinatown gathering, right? Is that Is there anything like that within the U.K.
2: where you ladies grew up? I think speaking from, I think we're we're speaking from very specific experience here. We're speaking Mm -hmm. from London, so that's going to be very different from someone who grew up in like rural Wales or something. So Mm -hmm. that's just something want to preface as well. So I think. But Speaking from my own perspective, I grew up in like Wembley, so like Wembley Stadium, wow. <laughs> um, just to give some context. Yeah. Um, and then I went to school in, you know, that kind of Northwest area. So that area is very diverse. And I can say I took that for granted quite a lot until I went to uni and was like, wow, culture shock, because I went to the uni at Bath and it's very like white there, not very diverse at mm. all. Um, so yeah, I can say looking back now, that was definitely very like blessed. <laughs> you know, went to Chinese mm-hmm. school, had a lot of Asian friends from church and just family friends and stuff. Even at school, there was a lot of you know people from different cultures and
5: backgrounds.
3: Would it be the same for Lauren, and Elsa, and Joelle too, or is it because um... you guys grew up in church? So I'm assuming it's the same area, right?
5: Um, so the church that we grew up in is the Chinese church. So I guess mm. that's kind of where we got um maybe more exposure to like the asian community maybe compared to other asians in the uk um but yeah i would say like what joelle said growing up in london is very different to maybe Mm. growing up in a different city or other parts of the uk um so we are very blessed that you know we have a chinatown in london Mm. um and we are surrounded by
3: that community that's really cool you guys um actually mentioned something that really interests me so you know we're asking you like you know what inspired your parents to move to the uk i realized correct me if i'm wrong is that most of your family members are from like malaysia hong kong and i feel like there's a lot of connection to like the uk there versus like for my family is from taiwan so like maybe the only like we didn't only have british Mm. connections so like america seems like the only option for them or like but that they know of
6: i think no i think you're definitely onto it um (laughs) Colonialism. <laughs> that is you. the big the big C word. Right, so right. um so my family are from Hong Kong and um Hong Kong was a British colony and it still has ties now. So most recently in the news, um, with all of the political unrest in Hong mm-hmm. Kong, there is a large influx of people from Hong Kong moving to the UK because they have something mm. called a British national overseas passport. So they're called BNOs. And this is probably one of the biggest migration stories at the moment, which is happening in our country. Mm-hmm. And this is very significant, um, I think, because as people who've grown up in the UK, we're seeing a lot of people like permanently moving mm-hmm. because of this unrest. Mm. Um, and so I definitely agree with you. Like, you know, our families decided probably to come to the UK because of these ties, whether it was because of, you know, other family members coming earlier, Mm. but there was a reason for it. Um, And as you were saying, Mel, I'm sure like, I mean, here in in California, there are lots, it's very diverse. There's lots of Taiwanese people, lots of Koreans, Mm. um, lots of people from Hong Kong as well. But I think that's actually because the country's bigger as well. So you have Mm. a very diverse, which I love. I think it's amazing that you have so many, I want to say like, different types of Asians but yeah. you do you have so many people from
3: Asia no thanks for sharing that 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 put, puts things into perspective in the context of why speaking of you know like know, oh, it's like colonialism but like or that type of theme you know I think on the podcast you, you know we talk a lot to a lot of people about you know the bamboo ceiling you know especially working like traditional corporate jobs a week where we come from you know I know you guys are just graduate school or starting your first jobs like would you say that you feel this as well at your you know whether it's in school or whether in your first job or through your friends, do you guys also have like this idea of bamboo ceiling, you know, in
4: the UK?
2: Yeah. I mean, speaking from my experience in, well, I've only had two jobs so far. So um, so the first one, it was in a very small fintech startup. And yeah, I was one of two women, the Um, only person mm -hmm. of color for Mm -hmm. a very long time when I was there anyway, (laughs) until I left and um, now I'm in a much bigger company. Well, not that much bigger, maybe like 300. Um, There's a lot more women, a lot more diverse, but obviously at C-suite level, it's still very male, white dominated, Mm. which is unfortunate, but you know, we're starting to see women coming in at the leadership levels. um, But it's obviously very, very slow to change. Um, So I think, you know we can be part of that change um although obviously it's very hard mm.
4: yeah i think my experience is slightly different because my company is a taiwanese tech company and um it's quite small in the uk because they've quite a lot of branches in asia so it feels like um it's more diverse because there's mm. quite a lot of i guess different types of asians at work and because i get mm-hmm. to speak to the people in taiwan so it kind of makes it feel not so corporate like traditional uh, yeah like, yeah. Mm, yeah that makes
3: sense mm.
1: or how about Elsa um and Lauren your experiences even if it's not within corporate or just um any experiences that you've had in in a work or internship space or maybe even that you've mm. heard through family and friends
5: um I guess for me like I'm hoping after my master's I want to go into the corporate world and obviously this is probably something I will face when I probably get there um I think in terms of yeah just hearing from I guess my parents or even just friends um yeah I think yeah it's kind of similar environment to what Joelle described like the c-suite mm. um it is a lot yeah male dominated um you hardly ever see women like women of color and but I I think like a lot of companies now are focusing on you know increasing diversity um and there's a there's a lo- there's an awareness for that which is quite nice.
1: And how about even just within your, um, your graduate program, do you feel, how is the kind of like, um, experience there versus say your undergrad and then your like high school experience in terms of like the mix of, of different types of people?
5: Um, I think for me, I've been quite blessed in the sense that my, um, master's program, there's actually a lot of international students. Mm -hmm. And for the first time I'm actually the minority. Um, so Yeah, like pretty much, I would say eighty percent of my master's program are people from Asia. So, um, for me, it's quite different to my undergrad, and yeah. So I guess it's yeah. For the first time, I'm the like minority in the terms of I'm a local student, Mm -hmm. and I'm seen as British, whereas for everyone else, they're like the Asians. But even though I am Asian,
7: Mm. it's
5: kind of a weird feeling. I don't know how to describe it. Like I am Asian, but they see me as no, but you're British. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So I guess I'm still kind of, yeah, navigating what that means for me. Um, but yeah.
1: Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm sure for, I mean, the th- between the three of us, we haven't had like graduate school experience, but I would say just from uh, friends and colleagues and stuff, um, I can see that that was also a layer of experience that they would have when they went to graduate programs, whether it was in law or business. Oftentimes you get you know exposed to the international landscape and the concept of being Uh, for us Asian American or Asian like from international abroad is very different um, and Mm -hmm. that definitely has a whole different other like cultural component Um, and Mm -hmm. I'm interested in Lauren's perspective because you are actually you you know you grew up in the UK and now you're here um, Mm -hmm. finishing up your or you're here for like a a, a bit for your undergraduate program in my exchange 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 program program.
6: yeah and so that's it's really interesting being here. Um, I think that was one of the reasons why I wanted to come to California because I knew that there were lots of Asians. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got accepted into the University of California and so you could choose different campuses. And I chose Santa Barbara because Santa Barbara is beautiful and is by the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, what really surprised me, so I, um, as a preface, I studied geography. And geography is not the most popular subject here. <laughs> I have to say, everyone's mm. like, what? <laughs> what is that? I didn't even know we had a geography program. And I said, you know what? Actually, Santa Barbara started environmental studies, like in the country, mm. like it is really prestigious. And um, it has typically, and I would say still is, pretty white. Not mm-hmm. many Asians go into environmental work. Mm, um, right many different reasons for that probably probably our parents saying like you're gonna never make any money from that Mm -hmm. or things like that you know stereotypes and I was really lucky because my parents have always said to me do what you enjoy do what you love and I was always interested in learning about the world and I love culture and I love like people and stuff so that's why I came here and then I think coming to California I didn't realize actually I could again preface the UC system. I understand is particularly very Asian. If I went to a different university or a different college, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure my experience would be different. But it's very diverse in terms of Asians and white people. Like there, mm. there are so many and Hispanics as well. But I think it, there are so there are so many people from Asia. Which I finally feel really, I feel really, like, connected to people people here, although I'm a British Asian woman. I think the Asian American, like, there is still something about that, like, growing up in a Western society, but, you right. know, originally, your
3: family are from Asia. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, for me, it's really interesting, because, Jay, I don't know if you remember, but, like, I remember when we were applying for the UCs, like... I don't know if this is, like, a stereotype amongst the Asian community, but Santa Barbara was known as, oh, that's, like, the, quote, unquote, like, the whiter school, like UC mm-hmm. versus, like, Irvine is, like, you know, you're about to, it's, <laughs> yeah, like, very all Asian. Asian people, yeah. And San Diego is pretty, like, mixed, but more, there's a lot of Asians there, too, so I, I, it's interesting for me to hear your perspective now going to UC Santa Barbara because back then I was, like, oh, no. I I, I want to go to the Asian colleges, so. Yeah, I think it was definitely
1: very different being kind of maybe a local, like, growing up within Mm -hmm. California, Mm -hmm. and you knew that, like, Irvine as a city and the community surrounding it was, there were a lot of, like, Asian American people and families, where Santa Barbara was known for kind of being more, um, like, Caucasian, but still, Mm -hmm. like, Lauren, you shared, like, within the UC system, though, if you're going to go to a UC college, generally, they have a higher percentage of Asian Mm -hmm. people than other Mm -hmm. university systems within the US. Um, I don't know if that's completely fact, but I know for within California, that was mm. our knowledge. Um, so it's it's really fascinating to hear you talk about, though, how being around different types of Asian has really enhanced your experience. Because I would say that definitely was the case for me as well. And I don't know about mm. you. I mean, Mel, I think, though, you grew up um, within a neighborhood where you were around a lot of different types of Asian. But for me, I, I didn't. I was kind of mm-hmm. very much of a minority growing up. So going into college and meeting all of these other Asian American, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Western culture and Asian Mm -hmm. culture and different types of Asian culture definitely was, like, more, much more eye-opening.
0: Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand.
1: You know what turned ABG from a podcast into a business? A T-shirt. A t-shirt that our listeners requested so that they could support us, own a piece of ABG, and connect with others they saw wearing the same shirt. And you know what was essential in making that happen? Shopify. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. This podcast started out selling one t-shirt, and today we have 23 products including tote bags, pins, hoodies, hats, and glass cups. Shopify has been with us through each of our eight collection releases and allowed us to gain insights as we grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. Go to shopify.com/abg, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com/abg right now. shopify.com/abg. Um, so on this like you know, discussion of, like, Western and Eastern culture. For ABG, we talk about how growing up, um, a lot of our influence in terms of, like, pop culture and media in America came from Hollywood. Um, and we're curious, uh, your lady's experience as British Asian females within the UK, did you pay attention to Hollywood within the U.S.? Or were you, you know, focused on other media influences? Um, were there, like, British Asian females that you looked up to growing up within within entertainment or media?
2: I don't actually remember watching my children. <laughs> you say that, I'm like, what did I watch?
1: Yeah,
4: I was thinking that as
2: well. I only remember when I was, like, super young and I watched, like, Teletubbies and, like, stuff like that.
7: Mm, <laughs> don't yeah. Know
2: what is. Um, but I guess g- growing up, if you're saying, like, teenage years, I remember watching a lot of, like, YouTube, and that's mm. when I watched, like, Wong Fu, right? So that's how I kind of came across you guys, because obviously you were affiliated, off but you you know kind of in the yeah sense connection itself. with them, mm-hmm. yeah connections. Um, so yeah, and obviously there's a lot of Asian American people on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's. I'm not sure about Hollywood. I'm not sure mm. about you mm. three.
5: I think for me, Hollywood, when it came to like Asian representation, it usually came from the US.
7: Mm. Um, like right. there are
5: probably only a handful of Brit like British asians that i can think of even now that are in like hollywood like yeah even now mm-hmm. um i think for me like but well, the recent disney like turning red mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but i guess that's kind of like canadian is like canadian representation Shang-Chi that was a big one I think but all of those are kind of like US kind of mm. based I think yeah growing mm. up has always been kind of US um, Asian American mm. that we looked up to just um, bouncing off what Joel said about Teletubbies I think it was really cool when we found out that one of the Teletubbies Po um, was actually like Cantonese <laughs> what? Oh, um, so yeah. yeah like I think just even finding out little things like that was pretty cool <laughs> I yeah.
3: did not know
1: that actually so that's really cool. Yeah.
3: I just find it fascinating because like I, the reason why we ask this question is that like, you know, obviously, you know, we're American. We grew up here. And so like all the pop culture things we see feels like, Oh, it's part of our social culture, pop culture. Like, cause it feels American. So we're curious, like if like, you know, if in the UK, if you guys had like your own version of that, or would you guys say also even within the Asian American experience in some weird way, I don't want to say it's like heavily influenced by the American culture. You know what mm. I mean? Like, even when you watch youtube would you say a lot of youtube creators you watch, like wong fu is asian american like american so like did you guys is there any like even british asian youtubers that maybe that you're like hey this is something i like i looked up to but if not i actually think like fast forward today i think it's really great you guys are starting this kind of podcast because it's good to speak to your experience because if there is a lack of it people need to hear it Mm -hmm. right so Mm -hmm. yeah i just wanted to hear like if you guys had that
5: yeah, I think growing up, I definitely watched a lot more Asian American content, because there really wasn't like British Asians like on YouTube. Well, I can't think of any that I watched. No. Um, so I think we yeah, we wanted to create that space to start those mm-hmm. conversations. Like, yeah, we could re- relate to, you know, Asian American, like their experiences, like from just listening to your podcast, watching Wong Fu, we can relate to those experiences. But I guess there are still Slight mm-hmm. differences. Yeah. Um and yeah, that that's probably why we were like, why not start a podcast and just create that space and get that conversation going?
2: Yeah. What I was gonna say was, you know, the one person that I can think of is I don't know if you guys know, it's Bubs. Bubs oh, Beauty.
4: Yeah.
3: Bubs Beauty. Yes. She,
2: yeah yeah. She is Irish, so yeah, that's the one person that I can think of that was British Asian. So she was like one of the OGs. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I think even the notion of British Asian versus Asian American. For y- well, mm. from my understanding, Asian in American means like East Asian, whereas mm. Asian in Britain means like South Asian a lot of times. Or like oh. that's what people think of when you say Asian, when you say Asian in Britain.
7: <laughs> so wow. that's
2: like one of the big differences as well. Really? Oh, wow.
3: I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, of course, because of historical ties as mm-hmm. well. mm
3: well, speaking of this, I do want to like jump into a different topic because, like, now I'm trying to understand, like, kind of like the differences and similarities within like the British culture and the American culture. And this is like my one of my favorite topics social life and dating. I mean, I can go off on this topic. <laughs> so I really want to understand, you know, from your guys' perspective, what are some major like social milestones growing up in the British culture? Like, for example, I'll give you some American ones. Like, for us, like, you know, it's like football games, not like soccer, but like the one with the, the, the diamond ball and then like prom and Rugby. homecoming was like a yeah <laughs> prom and homecoming for us is like a big thing like in high school like that was one thing a lot of like people look forward to as part of like their social like kind of like a coming of age type of an event that we always like to attend or like in college there's sororities fraternity so like I'm curious to hear like what are some like major social milestones you guys have within your culture I can't think of any
4: <laughs> mm, I guess like are we finishing a levels what,
2: um, mm, that- yeah mm. i guess it's based on the exams which is a bit sad right like GCSEs and a levels we have prom but it's not that big of a deal yeah right? it's
6: really mm. yeah no. i think it's not really interesting yeah it's not as big because but the fact that like most places like most schools now have prom so mm. prom you can have so gc so just for american listeners GCSEs are exams we take um when we're 16. And that's kind of your, you've completed your basic, like your um, education in the UK. And then you can go do almost, it's like the next step is doing A-levels, which is another two years before university. And then after A-level, so that's when you're 18. That's when you go to college. And after that, so you can have a... So people have proms both when you're 16 and 18, which I guess Mm. is kind of similar to your homecoming. Kind of, But it's interesting that it came across to the UK. So it's not as big in the UK, but it's still there. So people still look forward to that, I think. And I think driving as well. So I guess, Mm. I mean, driving age. So in, in the UK, we can start driving when we're 17. But I heard here, which I was like really shocked people can start driving at like 15 14 I heard in some states and I was like I would not trust a 14 year old in the UK to drive a car but I understand that you know people who live in rural areas they they genuinely need to get around
3: but yeah so that's Mm -hmm. some things wait you know you said like the the the, sorry the a test what was it called a levels. a level Those a levels. the test score you guys need to get into uni, to uni? yes yeah oh, so it's equivalent to our sats right mm-hmm. probably similar i guess yeah. similar yeah i never took mine so i'm just curious <laughs> but yeah um driving age for us is i think permit it's like 15 14 and then i mean i didn't get my license <laughs> yeah. till i was 18 because my mom's like i don't trust you behind the wheel so I, I don't know um i still don't drive oh really oh wow
2: yeah
1: Well, did did any of you go to uh, any of your proms or your dances at school?
2: So funny enough, I went to the GCSE prom. So when we were 16, that was like a big thing. We kind of like dressed up, we went to a nice like manor house and everything. That was quite fun. But then for sixth form, I don't know what happened. A lot of people didn't go.
4: Did you? you yeah, went, I you? went. So we ended up going to the same sixth form. which well, is I went like to high school, yeah. A level, 17, 18, yeah. And then we went to, I went to the prom because I didn't go to the prom before or well, in my old school. And it was just really bad. It was, it was, it was terrible. <laughs> really? really, bad. really? Yeah. 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 And
2: I, me and my group of friends, we didn't go to prom, but we went to after prom. So we went to the club, which uh, I say club, but it was like a, so it it was, was really bad. It was awful. Yeah, it it was bad. <laughs>
3: yeah. Wait, question. So you guys, because for us in high school, we we call like junior prom and senior prom because like junior is like like oh. first level is like freshman, mm. sophomore, junior, senior. So we like in our prom it's like junior year, and then the the committee would think of like a team a theme like a night to remember. Like we'll call the prom that. Did you guys not like like theme out your proms? Not for us. No. Oh wow. <laughs> We're seeing a lot
7: of shaking
1: heads. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
3: Interesting. Okay, yeah, because we always, yeah, we would like get, we would rent out like a hotel. Some people would like get like a boat. Like I had a boat my senior year. Wow. For prom. I want that. Maybe because prom is a huge thing in the American <laughs> mm-hmm. culture though. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Within the American culture, yeah, which is, mm-hmm. you know, bigger on sports and usually there's, well, maybe not prom, but like homecoming, right? It's like usually there's a big football game involved and um, so you go to the game and then you also have like a dance to celebrate with your friends and stuff. Um, has Did anyone else go to any of their proms or...
5: Yeah, so I went to both my GCSE and A-level prom, and I actually enjoyed it. Um, But I'd probably say, like, in terms of when we were talking about milestones Mm. in the British culture, compared to, I guess, the American culture, is that we can drink at 18, whereas in America it's 21, right? The legal age. So for us, you know, probably... Yeah, once we're 18, like, everyone looks forward to 18. Whereas I think in America, it's like, what, sweet 16 is, like, a big birthday. But I think for right, us, right. 18 is probably the big birthday.
7: Because mm. um,
5: that's when you can go to clubs, you can drink. What else can you do at 18?
3: It makes sense to 18, like, I mean, for the drinking age. I think because US is 21. 21s are big. Like, yay, you can go to the bars and clubs. But,
2: like, I'm sure you do it beforehand anyway, like...
3: No comment. Uh (laughs) (laughs) People often
1: say, though, that if you like having the earlier drinking age might be better because you kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, um, learn to manage your relationship with alcohol like early. But so Mm -hmm. for for you ladies, no,
3: (laughs) I'm seeing a lot of "Eh," maybe. (laughs) I mean, even uh, Jay, let's be real. At 31, I still struggle sometimes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But I mean, like, so do you think that if you had started drinking earlier, like maybe you would like lose interest in it? earlier or something i don't know or maybe there's also something to for us in the u.s being 21 it coincides with like being like dead smack in the middle of college and so if you if it was illegal for you know a period of time and then you're doing that when you're now in like a new setting moved away and everything um is it like Mm. you know more more space and environment to encourage like like dangerous behavior i don't know Mm.
5: I I think because the legal age is 18. And that's when most people go off to uni. Mm -hmm. So I guess a tradition is like freshers week. Um, So the first week or first couple of weeks of uni is when people go ham with their drinking. Mm. Um, They're out because you know, that's probably the first time they've moved away from home. They're legal to drink illegal to go out. Um, Yeah, I think that's that for us is probably something that people look forward to is freshers week. That sounds fun.
6: I can so I can I can speak a bit to actually both experiences um in terms of the college drinking. So I was really lucky. So when I so I'm 21, so since being here, I've been 21. So alcohol and stuff, mm. it's been okay, like legally. But I was always so confused, um, because I so I've been to some frat parties here, some sorority parties, and I was like, technically none of you guys should be drinking, and the police are still walking around and But as long as you're not seen as drunk, they kind of just look over it. So I think Mm. it's really interesting, the law here, because I'm sure (laughs) like they know that people are drinking, but then I'm so confused because like, how do you, how do you like enforce that? Mm -hmm. I don't really know. And then, Mm. so I was really confused when I came, when I came here and also clubbing. So it's interesting because in the UK we can go clubbing at 18 and so all of us like went out loads in our first year you know as -hmm. as Elsa said really went to town but then here this people are in their junior year and then people and everyone starts turning 21 so then it's that weird awkward time where it's like can you invite someone but you can't because they're not 21 Mm. so then everyone has so I feel like there's a bit of that awkwardness whereas in the UK most people are 18 so just everyone goes out so I feel like Mm. it's a bit more inclusive sometimes but yeah I don't know what you um both of you think actually since you grew up in the US with 21 being the drinking age. Mm -hmm.
3: I mean, I I could speak first. I, I, I didn't realize the awkward moment until you pointed it out because I could see how when you're 18, like, everyone's on that, like, same level. There's kind of no... Mm-hmm. There's no restrictions, which I makes I think it does make things a lot easier, like, for us. I remember that... Yeah, it was awkward because then when we were 21, we're like, oh, okay, like, either do, like, a house party where, like, no one's carding you or you, like, go out with certain people that have an eye that are 21 and over. So it does limit some people. I don't want to endorse this, but I know sometimes, like... People talk a lot about having a fake ID, Mm. you know, I never had one because I I was like, I don't want to do that because I don't want to get, I'm scared, but I know people like had to like, the fake ID talk was something I kind of heard a lot about sometimes in college. I didn't know a lot of people with that, but yeah, it is a little weird. Um, Yeah, we had that talking
2: in school. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I wasn't sure. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think what else, like had was it weird? Because. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think because when I went to college, I was a transfer student. So by the time I went in, it was it was like a pretty quick mm-hmm. transition into like that life. I will say though, I don't know if I, how do I say this? I think the fact that since 21 is our drinking age, when we went to university, like when I saw like the freshmen or sophomores, the first or second years, there's definitely a lot of people who did not, weren't exposed to alcohol mm-hmm. and their relationship with their their, yeah. when they drink, it was like, whoa, like you see a clear, there's a difference in how people handle and like the lack of, there's a, kind of like a, you could just tell them, I was like, oh, you're messed up because this is your first time drinking versus like, and then there's people who are more experienced drinkers in a room or a party, but I don't know if that's just like a normal thing across the board because some people can handle the alcohol, some people can't.
1: No, I mean, yeah, I would, I went into uh university as like a 17, 18 year old. So I very, and I would echo both Mel and Lauren, your points is that realizing the difference if you were to go in and everyone was like already expected that there was going to be drinking involved um and everything then I think it would have been a little I don't know I I think it would it might have been quote-unquote better just because like Mm. like Lauren you explained like it's happening kind of anyway and so if the yeah. law doesn't enforce it, then you end up with people who are trying to work their way around it versus if you just accept that it's happening and then you learn to then like, you know, people kind of learn to self-regulate, I guess. But that's a very, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm also very kind of like, um, what is it, laissez-faire, laissez-faire kind of person, like let the people kind of, let let it kind of be figured out amongst themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> to not put too much like um, restrictions, but yeah, I definitely, like, when I went into school, I was also very, like, followed by the rules, and, like, the mm-hmm. first, like, two to three years, I would go to all the events, I'd because I loved, like, dancing, I love clubbing, but I would just, people would drink, and I wouldn't drink, um, but I saw it happening all around me. So, um, yeah, but I'm curious, like, going beyond, so you're going out, if you're 18, and you might be doing house parties or you might be going out to the clubs. Like what now, now that you're all out of university or close to it, what is the nightlife like for a young
2: British Asian woman? Um, none. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> dead, like after work. Like obviously we have after work drinks and like work socials and stuff. So that's, mm-hmm. for me, that's kind of,
7: mm-hmm. we haven't
2: we haven't been out since. Probably because um, co- maybe COVID mm-hmm. is, is well, yeah, interfering that as well. with your, yeah. But mostly it's been work drinks, work drinks, work, work socials. Drinks, yeah, which is fun as well. Yeah, it's funny.
3: Like I feel like I'm. I'm curious because like when I when we started like for us like the progression that I'm seeing now is like in college like clubbing scene like college to like maybe mid twenties clubbing was a big thing like wearing like you know those short skirts and like the high heels and like going to the clubs and like dancing and like talking to boys. Versus <laughs> now it's like going to a lounge, like going to a bar. It feels more casual. Like mm-hmm. would you say it's still like like the same for you for y'all or it's like still clubbing still like a big part of the culture Mm. it depends who you're with
4: yeah i think Mm. because most of my friends are still at university so like when i go to meet them i would go clubbing Mm. but then depending on the age range you would go to the bar or Mm. yeah it's kind of weird because i guess you wouldn't because sometimes you see like old people like all the (laughs) people like (laughs) old men at the club oh. and it was just really weird Ooh. so yeah. i don't know it depends i guess on the person
1: <laughs> i'm curious actually what is the trend because yeah is there are there like trends in in like what people wear now or like like for example for us for a while i mean i don't know Melle, do you remember like if there were like two tops for a while we're really in and then like lashes or i don't know is there any like uh, things that's that- still in like that's what
7: i, I mean? wear, like, <laughs> lashes.
1: yeah yeah but i feel like <laughs> lashes weren't as in say like 10 years ago, right? Depends on who you ask. When I was in college, we wore lashes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, when I was in college, the girls weren't wearing lashes yet. But I'm wondering if there's, like, what is your, like, do you ladies kind of go out and is there, like, a general, like,
6: getting ready routine type thing? and uh, Or are we, like, not into that? (laughs) I think it really does depend on, like, what club you go to. And it depends on also... Um, so in the UK what region of the UK you're from. So <laughs> so, so there's so there is this oh, kind of okay, stereotype. Okay. So in the north of England, girls love to get dolled up. We're talking mm. like they will wear heels, like proper they go all out, get their hair done, nails, eyelashes, everything. And then there are and sometimes and it, d- it just depends like in other cities or in London, you can very easily go like my clubbing experience like at university in Manchester, you could go out and train us and that's fine. Perfectly acceptable. Mm. But then some in other places in the north, everyone has to wear heels. So it's like, it really does depend. I feel very fortunate because I cannot imagine going out <laughs> from like 11 to like four in the morning in heels. That's a no for me. Like my mm. feet would die. So I I don't know, what about you else? Cause you're from, like you went clubbing in London.
5: Um, if I'm being honest, I haven't been out since, before covid uh, since yeah since covid um so i'm actually trying to think what it was like i don't know do you guys have do you guys have pre's pre-drink pre-drink oh yes oh, pre-parties pre-parties
6: yeah
3: what do you guys call it please oh that's free <laughs> so much okay. better it makes it <laughs> <fun. laughs> yeah. we call it we call it pre-gaming
1: Pre-game, pre-game yes pre-gaming
3: pre-gaming we still you know it's funny we still pre-game but it's it's it's, it's now at eight o'clock versus at yeah. 10 o'clock. <laughs> <It depends laughs>
1: everything's moved up a couple hours
3: <laughs> it's it blows my mind I remember like the other day my friend's like what I mean at 8 30 I was like how about dinner like what um <laughs> uh, but yeah we, we we pre-game you know it's to save money you know <laughs> yeah to get that vibes going
6: oh it's the same for us as well it's all to save money because yeah. it's so expensive going out it's
3: so expensive. <laughs> Unless you want to, like, hustle, which we don't do that anymore. You know, like, hey.
1: (laughs) It's almost summertime, and with the change in seasons, it's time to update our wardrobes. When I think of style and fashion, I generally like to keep my clothes pretty classic and simple, whereas it's my accessories that I will switch out quite often and update pretty frequently. For me, eyeglasses are a pretty big part of my style. And recently, I've been wearing my Wanda frames in blue clear from Pear Eyewear. Their frames remind me of ones I've had in the past. However, there is one big difference. Pair eyewear frames allow you to choose different magnetic top frames. So while I order blue clear frames, I have a top frame in white and even sunglass top frames in both blue and brown lenses. That's like four pairs of glasses in one. So if you're looking for a great iframe option that allows you to change up your style, check them out. Base frames start at just $60, including prescription lenses. Get glasses as unique as you are. One pair, infinite style. Starting at just $60, go to paireyewear.com ABG for 15% off your first purchase. That's 15% off at P-A-I-R, eyewear.com slash A-B-G.
3: I do want to talk to you guys about dating. Um... Because I want to know how it's like dating in the UK. Um, to be honest, I I watch Love Island. I know that's not <laughs> oh a good example at all. <laughs> I know. And I see, like, Lauren. when you're talking about, like, the different areas, how girls get dolled up. I was like, dang, all these girls on Love Island, like, go all mm. out. It's interesting. And so, would you say, like, like, yeah, what's the dating culture like in the UK? I, obviously, like, as an American, I hear your accent. I'm just like, that sounds so attractive. Granted, everyone probably has in acts like you guys talk like to so you guys is like the normal thing in in London but is yeah is there any differences you might you think or like I don't even Lauren even be in the in the US now like do you see like guys approaching you differently than you would in the UK
6: I mean I can I can
3: um so since coming here I didn't realize
6: how many like Americans really love the British accent they love they love it, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't I didn't so I when I first came in, like, even just getting a Starbucks, people would be very oh. interested to ask me, like, oh, where are you from? So anywhere I go, mm. and that's still now, and I mean, I've been here for a while now, and it's very, I think it's very sweet, and it's very nice that people want to, like, get to know me, and, like, they're very genu- genuinely interested. In terms of guys, like, I, most recently, I was talking to someone, like, I just met them, and, I could see their eyes almost, like, glaze over. Like, they were, like, mesmerized. Like, it was really <laughs> weird. Like, it was the weirdest experience I've ever felt. Because I was, like, no one's ever... Because people are like, oh, I'm very interested. Like, oh, like, you're British and everything. But it was, like, different. Um, but I think that also could be because, like, maybe Central California, that there, there aren't as many, mm. like, Europeans. So if I was in LA, if I was in New York, you know, very busy metropolitan Cities, it's different. You see mm. loads of Brits there, but just because there's not many of us, I think, yeah. But at the same time, I still think dating in—I mean, boys, boys are boys wherever you are in the world. I come to realise, <laughs> <so. laughs> and uh, since I'm I in, that thing. yeah, and since I'm in college, it's like hmm, college boys. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um what are college boys like, Lauren? yeah (laughs) university boys in the uk are similar to university boys like college boys here oh okay so i feel like well i always say like you know girls and boys maturity is very Mm. different sometimes and you can really see that in college i think i'm lucky by because i'm since i'm a senior now you know boys have started to kind of mature by now and but even then sometimes i'm still Mm. like oh gosh i feel like there's an age gap although like i might actually be like younger
3: Mm. Um, they they don't get any better when you're in your 30s by the way. That's a oh, pretty good. No. Yeah, I was like, "Oh my god, I really had this vision." I was like, "When they're 30, then be ready to settle mm-hmm. down and blah blah blah." And I'm just like, "No, they're not." I want to know <laughs> if uh, if you ladies have like is
1: are dating apps a thing in Britain? Like is that a pretty cuz in I feel like now in America that's like become kind of the norm way that a lot of single people date and meet people mm-hmm. um especially uh, just like going out and meeting people is no longer becoming like the most popular way i think dating apps become really popular so Mm -hmm. how about in britain are dating apps like a thing there
7: yeah
4: Mm, i think yeah a lot of my friends use like they meet people through dating apps and they'll go for coffee or like go for a meal and i guess i don't know i've never used one but i feel like i don't know i feel like it'd be really weird for me because i was on my friends like tinder or like I I don't know what's it called bumble hinge hinge, yeah and I was just swiping like this is so weird because it's like based off I don't know appearances and what Mm -hmm. they type and what they write and obviously it's to attract people right right it is very pointed and very (laughs) yeah.
2: yeah yeah I've
1: never
6: used one either
5: Mm. Yeah, yeah i've not used <laughs> online dating apps but i know it's common amongst like my friends mm.
6: to preface it's just
5: yeah. me <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> the, I'm the only i'm the only one um, well, you're you're in California. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No, no, even in the
6: UK, I was. I think I was mm. the only one in the UK as well. Also, I mean, <laughs> you... so Joelle, Phoebe, and Elsa are all in relationships, and I'm now the only single one. Yeah. <laughs> that's why so they're that's very quiet the, when it comes to the dating question quiet, yes. because they've already found.
3: Out. <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. So they they've all
6: found their Prince Charming's.
3: <laughs> okay, we could can. I was gonna be like, we could have this convo offline. Cause Lauren, let me know your type. Maybe I could. I have cousins. I have a brother who has friends. He's you. taken. But you know, we could we could continue this convo offline. Um, but I do want to move on to like kind of this like interesting I, for me. I think it'd be kind of interesting to hear like the uh, like assumptions that we have on each other. Others like, I guess like experience and culture because I feel like obviously like whether like you want to say your influence by watching like shows or whatnot that we might just kind of assume or make these judgments and i want to see if they're correct or they're incorrect so for example i have like we have a few that these are not just like i don't think these are true but like maybe the general population might think this about the british experience and i'd love to hear the reality based on your guys' perspective so this is like our assumptions category or section for this episode so we'll go off the americans will go first if that's okay um so for example i feel like i hear a lot that like the british people do not like americans
7: <laughs> Are we supposed to react?
2: <laughs> how do we
3: or say this the... i'm <laughs> yeah no be honest there will be no yeah, be no
6: offense taken yeah
3: it could be just also things that you guys hear through your friends mm-hmm. or like you know, you know what i mean like
6: um, I would say that it's just when we're not as interested in you as you
0: guys are in mm. us, <laughs> which sounds really,
6: which sounds really like harsh, but I think it is. Europeans, like, I think a lot of the Americans is like, oh, we want to like hear your story. Like, oh, you're interesting. You're from Europe. Everyone mm. in Europe is like, okay, cool. You're American. Like, mm. it's like, it's not, I don't know why, but I've noticed that here, like people who are very interested in
3: Europeans. That is mm. a very interesting observation. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of nodding. Mm-hmm this is like a tag along assumption now that i'm like we're, t- we're talking about this but i always like I, I i don't know why i also assume that like british people think like americans are a little bit maybe more trashy or more problematic mm. maybe i think uk people
2: british people think we're not as bad as americans in certain things mm. yeah mm. like i don't know we're not like racist or we're not as you know mm. bad like politically but actually we're
3: just as bad mm. yeah <laughs> mm. that's no that's interesting that's interesting yeah
1: Next assumption, um, that British people are posh and classy.
4: No way, <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: Interesting, because especially after like Lauren, you're saying you get a lot you approached a lot based on your accent, right? But yeah, I'm curious as what the thinking behind of of uh, why you think that British people are not necessarily
6: posh and classy. So just like a preface, I have a Received Pronunciation accent, which is RP, which in the UK it's mainly people from London or from the South. And this is the kind of accent you hear on the TV. um, The Queen's English. Yeah, it's like colloquially termed as Queen's English. I don't know where this kind of accent came from. I just, my parents don't, my dad has a bit of an RP accent, but I've kind of just grown up with it. So I have, it's very, so people will call it posh. So there's that, so I speak very, I speak very well in quote marks. But that's not, I mean, for example, I think if you can hear the difference between all of us, we all sound very different, although we're from the same part of London. We're all from Mm. North West London. So I think people Mm. also get the British classy thing because you watch things like Downton Abbey or other things. But I think Mm. now, now it's I like Bridgerton, Mm. but it's different because like Love Island, you have people from all over the UK with like Mm, Northern accents and yeah, it's different. Uh, What do you guys think?
5: Yeah, no, I agree with what Lauren said. It really depends on where you're from. So even for us, like within London, we can tell where people are from, like which part of London Mm -hmm. they're from. Um, And there's, I think there's some sort of north-south divide even within London. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's just kind of my experience and... I guess mm. yeah I don't think I wouldn't say all like everyone is posh and classy
2: it's a, it's a very big sweeping statement when you say british because yeah,
7: yeah. it's
2: mm. e- like else was saying even within london like you can tell that i speak differently to lauren i went to uni in the southwest so i've kind of picked up some like toes some accents it's kind of weird um yeah. <laughs> so i'll say things like i in bath they say like bath and grass yeah. instead of like grass mm-hmm. so I'll, i sometimes like came out with like bath and i was like oh oh god what did i say <laughs> <laughs> oh. so yeah
3: this is very regional this is so interesting to me just to, you, now when i'm like paying attention to when yours are speaking i'm like i'm trying to like i pick up on the different like tones and the ways you guys <laughs> say words all right so our last assumption is that the british people love their tea time oh yeah oh yeah like a
6: good yeah, cup I'll of say tea. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. a cup of tea and a biscuit. That's like classic anytime.
3: Wait, wait. Okay, mm. this is this might be a
2: make or break. How how do you make your tea?
4: Oh yeah, I've seen this on oh. TikTok. So.
2: <laughs> how do you make your tea? Wait. Is there
4: <laughs> how a How do Americans
2: make their tea? I don't yeah. know.
4: Wait, they don't
5: have kettles. No wait. Yeah, that
6: too. They, they do wait. have kettles, but not. I've just seen – I've seen someone put, like, water in a microwave, and I thought that was yeah, the worst I'm thing I've ever on seen. Yeah, i was <laughs> like, oh, that's not. so wrong. It's so wrong. I'm <laughs> sorry. Right. I can't stand for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah the best you, you do that. Uh, I know.
1: I, but I'm also, like, I cook everything in the microwave, so okay, it's not because enough. of the tea thing. <laughs> <laughs> but if there's a kettle, invo- like, available, yeah, I will. But I, I do use a lot of just, like, pre like, tea bags.
3: Tea bag, yeah. Is oh, that we wrong? use tea bags. As in, like the order. Okay, let me let me so let me say my order really quickly, and I let me know if it's wrong. So, I do have like the water heater, like the thing you turn you heat up the water in. We have a fancy kettle now because my 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 roommates drink coffee and whatever. So, we he, I heat up the water, and I have my tea bag from Trader Joe's in a cup, and then I might drizzle honey in it, and then mm-hmm. I pour the hot water, and then I mix it. Is that wrong?
4: Wait, this is like herbal tea or like British tea, like yeah. English mm-hmm. tea.
3: What, what type of tea are you having? On my teas, I do it the same. So you don't add milk? Um, if I'm doing like chai, I might add like almond milk. Mm. Mm. Um, there's a little bit of play, so many, <laughs> What's the, what's the proper way
4: to drink tea? It's not- it's No, not, that's for like herbal tea. Like that's how you would make herbal tea, right?
6: I th- so this is a thing, right? So I can, I can translate, right? Because this is something I also <laughs> love. So when we say a cup of tea, everyone automatically assumes just black tea so black tea which we tr- we normally have with milk maybe sugar and then here and the, but obviously we have herbal teas and stuff but when you say oh, i'm having a cup of tea people assume just the black tea here people have obviously you as you're saying mel herbal teas chai so many other things so you're mm. much more specific like oh i'm mm-hmm. gonna have like a chamomile i'm gonna have this mm-hmm. whereas when when we just say a, a bog standard cup of tea, it's like- English breakfast. English yeah. breakfast. Oh grey. Oh yeah. great! yeah. It's one of those. Um, but yeah, we always have mm. to have milk, milk in it and maybe sugar. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. So it might be kind of like the way that in America we treat having like a cup of coffee. Cause there's always exactly, just a standard yeah. black coffee and then you add,
6: add a little bit of sugar and add a little
1: mm. bit of cream.
3: This is so interesting. Also, mm.
6: Mel, I love how you call it a water boiler. Yes, a water <laughs> a water I think that's so... I, I, I like we not, wait, just, wait, we, what you, we just got yeah, like a kettle. Everything's just no. a kettle, but a water boiler like, I haven't <laughs>
3: heard that was so funny. Like...
6: <laughs>
3: I may be saying it wrong. Is it what is it called, Jay? It's like the you know the thing on my counter.
1: It's a kettle. It's.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> okay. Oopsie. <laughs> I just figured this big-ass boiling room now.
7: <laughs> wow,
3: okay.
1: Well, let's move on. Let's, now let's turn the tables. Are there any assumptions that you feel like within Britain they have um, around the American experience? And then Mel
2: and I can kind of help
3: answer. <laughs> I'm so interested in this part. I'm so curious.
2: So I'm thinking that everything's like in the movies. Very big, dramatic, sorority parties, homecoming, yeah
3: um i think it depends like for example sc- like the proms Yee, it depends on how much funding the school gets mm. because if they don't have that much funding like for example my junior prom was in my gym nice and then my senior ball was on a boat so i think it depends Ooh. on like the funding and things um dramatic <laughs> i don't know i think it depends like what's an example of dramatic i don't know like very extra i don't know if i'm mm. slipping into
2: slang here but like very extra very like over the top
3: yeah Yeah. i
1: i think compared to probably other countries just from and once again me from not necessarily living but just traveling um i think it's kind of similar to what you ladies shared about maybe it's more around the coastal areas so within like la and california different different metropolitan areas i i can see it definitely is there's parts of the way it's portrayed in shows and movies that are accurate among certain circles but then if you go into like you know other parts of california it's probably very it's not that way but i would say yeah like some of the things like prom or that kind of how big and over the to- the over the top you know compared to like everyday life people go for certain things that's pretty accurate um maybe some of the things that you see in reality tv uh i think I think I kind of like unfortunately when I go and walk around LA sometimes and I'm grabbing like a matcha or a mm. coffee like uh, you will you'll hear conversations and they're really talking that way <laughs> and it mm-hmm. might be about just like oh my god this person in the cab or something like that you know so I would say there's some truth to it probably
3: yeah I, I'm also curious I feel Lauren when I think about like sorority parties you mm. probably like encountered some you're like oh this is not what you expected huh or is it what you expected so
6: I was so excited because I was like, I finally get to see like, is it like the movies? And like some of it is like with the red solo cups and everything, yeah. I was like, oh. I was like, this yeah. is this is like a movie, but it's it's really interesting because I think what you see in the movies and stuff, like we imagine that to be like the whole of America, like everywhere, <laughs> it's like that. Very, like mm. outgoing, extroverted people, um, but like I'm sure, I think what you were saying Janet like it's true like it really does depend on where you're from and it depends on your college experience cuz you can engage with it whether you want to like mm. it's not mm. everywhere As I think there's this assumption that like US co- like college like that's everywhere that's everything but actually the number of people who are in like fraternities and sororities is actually pretty small like right. in mm. terms mm-hmm. of it so that was like I was
5: like oh interesting mm. Mm. okay my my assumption is that the food portions are massive that is correct.
1: That's uh, <laughs> very correct. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Definitely from traveling. I remember when I went to like um, like France and like Italy, the portions are like a third of what you would get at like an American restaurant. Uh. But then it's like perfect. But yeah, it is very true. And there's all, all of these like fast food places, they all go off of like getting more food for like less money. So that is definitely, mm-hmm. I think, a very big American thing. Mm. Oh, yeah.
3: There's sometimes I think we go out to eat and then like I order like whether it's like breakfast or like whatever – I I'm done eating I look down I'm just like I barely touch this barely and I have down, leftovers yeah. for a whole week yeah so mm. I agree I think the American portion is like kind of ridiculous in my opinion but it, it could feed you for a week if you're by yourself <laughs> that is true. that's an interesting uh, perspective is, is London different like are they, is it more smaller I mean in the UK lauren
4: <laughs> i don't
3: know uh portion sizes are a lot smaller
6: smaller here like in the uk mm. i think that's what i noticed like you like prices are more expensive but then you get so much more food sometimes mm. like it depends i guess it also depends on the restaurant but for me like my like kind of leading on like my assumption was that like ev- there's a fast food place on every corner
7: mm.
6: <laughs> and i don't know whether i guess as you were saying like depends on the area but i feel like you guys have like so many different types of fast food like
2: that is, true. Think, that is like,
6: true you have so many that we don't have in the uk hmm. yeah do, do you so, guys
2: have like KFC? yeah,
6: yeah.
7: it
2: started oh, in kentucky like three- joelle
6: yeah. kentucky. Oh,
7: yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the crazy thing in the us we have KFC. we have popeyes we have mm. like different variations of fried chicken um what do you guys not like for example like what are some fast food joints that you're like oh that when you lauren when you said there's different mm. types like what what did what do you guys not have there
4: in chick-fil-a
6: hole? chick-fil-a oh. oh my goodness i'm gonna say this now anyone listening does anyone have any connections to getting chick-fil-a in the uk because chick-fil-a <laughs> is the best fast food i love it so much like it's great
5: so
4: we need that in the UK. We don't have it. Mm.
5: Um, recently, Wendy's opened.
4: Mm. Popeye's opened as well. Really? Yeah. It's um. Yeah. Where is it? Do Where it that Taco in. Bell? Yeah, just we do. opened
3: as well. Taco Bell's open.
4: Oh,
7: just
3: opened! Oh yeah. my gosh. How about like? Um, I'm trying to think what else that we. I mean, McDonald's is everywhere.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: Um. We don't have Jack in the Box, um, and mm. like so. For example, like, you have so many
6: of these other ones that like no.
5: Like, oh, In and Out. In and Out. Mm-hmm that's out. a west coast
1: thing for sure yeah. that's a west in coast thing out. but then there's also like the the next tier which is like your paneras and your chipotles and so it's like a little bit like a little bit more elevated than fast food but not quite sit down
6: nando's yeah nando's <laughs> oh yes <laughs> cheeky nando's oh Nan-
3: cheeky nando's is nando's. pretty popular we don't have it here i think oh, okay. Or it's more like yeah it's funny because in I saw that when people like go to UK, they go to Nando's first. Mm. Like it's on their list that they have to try. Like like Jay, when AJ and Alyssa went to um, UK with their family, I saw that they oh, mm. it was a pair. They went had to get Nando's right away. I also hear it. They talk about it on um, Love Island. <laughs> like, oh, that's a thing. Because they're like, "How would you like your Nando's?" I'm like, "Oh, is that a thing? Like I didn't know."
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it lemon and herb. Yeah.
3: No, no like garlic and herb. No lemon and herb. <laughs> lemon and herb.
6: Lemon. Yeah. Lemon and herb medium.
3: That's what we ask people like. Oh, how do you like your wing stop? What kind of wings do mm. you like? Oh, oh I wing went to Wingstop stop
4: last week for the first time.
3: Mm. Oh, you oh so just mm. so it opened in the it opened there? No, I just never yeah,
4: went. Yeah, but there was always such a long queue, so I never went. Mmm, interesting.
3: But yes, Lauren, you're right. We do pretty much have a fast food joint every corner.
4: On, I keep I'm always on TikTok now, but like, cause Coachella's on in America, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. So I've seen like a lot of comparisons of how. Americans go to festivals how British people go to festivals so I was like wondering what your the difference exp- yeah Jane and I had never been to a festival
3: I, I did go to 88 rising and Ooh. I will say um uh, it is very interesting to see the, the fashion nowadays yeah. so I don't but I guess like uh what what is your um like what's the difference like what how do they how do people go to festivals in the UK like what is it
4: <laughs> um it's mostly like mosh pits which is like people stamping all over each other and Mm. beer chucked everywhere a lot of drugs um Mm. yeah it's quite gross (laughs) (laughs) it is quite
3: fun it's interesting because i feel like in the u.s like for example like coachella it's like a fashion event like i think Mm. people go there for photo ops yeah yeah Mm. like everyone has a photo from the ferris wheel like i think even like mosh fits i heard of but for us is only on certain concerts that are like more maybe like rock or more like mm. that type of genre versus the u.s i think i think like festivals are all kinds like it's like mm. r&b hip-hop edm and stuff but a, i think a common theme i'm seeing within all the festivals is like the fashion they're wearing now it's like kind of like raver slash bohemian chic mm. slash let me show how much skin as i can <laughs> yeah and like sparkles on their face i'm just like whoa that's very interesting yeah it becomes
7: very um, like
1: decorative and like costume like yeah um, but i do i feel like i also hear like the like people do go to festivals to do, do drugs and like that is that type of like going there to escape and have that experience, enhanced experience is also kind of a thing in america uncertain mm-hmm. for certain uh, festivals
3: yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting too, because like, for example, like Coachella, like when I used to work corporate for fashion, like, you know, it's like, we're like, oh, we should have a party and invite all the influencers. Like we knew that was like a part of like the experience of like an event like Coachella where
7: mm-hmm.
3: it becomes like a branded, a brand play for a lot of brands, you know, like come to our tent and take photos here and like, you know, like whatever. So I think it's just kind of like, it's really interesting how that's it, like social media becomes a big component mm-hmm. of these festivals
6: now.
7: Hmm, interesting. yeah I think
6: I think it's interesting because I, I don't know leading on to maybe like another assumption um mm-hmm. about like okay Asian American women so I've heard a lot about the the <laughs> ABG as in like the Asian baby girl kind of like like you know as yeah. you were saying like the ones that like go to festivals have balayage hair like fake eyelashes that kind of that whole like I mean, I've met a couple, but I didn't actually. I think, <laughs> but I didn't. I'm not sure how like big, how many mm. like A B. Because we see that a lot in like subtle Asian traits, that kind of stuff. And mm. like, like I think as a British person, like understanding that is very different because we don't really have like mm. I don't want to say like type of person, but like, we 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 haven't like classed mm. a type of person. Whereas I feel like in the Asian community, you've classed, like, an ABG. And it's funny, because, like, oh. like, yeah. Because ABG can mean so many different things, like, Asian boba girl, Asian boss girl. Yeah, Asian, like. yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think what's interesting is the way that when you
1: describe it, it is kind of in how they dress. And I think it, mm-hmm. some of it is kind of, um, maybe within America, a lot of the clothing and a lot of um, of the trends that you follow kind of classify you as that, like, archetype. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So there's definitely, like... Um, the ABG archetype definitely exists in Mm -hmm. in America and I think it's still um, you know it's it's been around for probably since I mean from my knowledge from like the 90s and there is still to today I think the evolution of what an ABG is and probably there's like multiple definitions of an ABG but that but that particular image of someone who's going to festivals and getting Mm -hmm. dressed up and the you know the balayage hair and the lashes I think there's definitely that play. I don't know what would you say Mel?
3: It's actually interesting because I was having a conversation with one of my friends back in Northern California. So, I'm from Norcal, which is north, you know, north versus Norcal versus SoCal. I'm from the Bay Area. And so, I'm really close to San Jose. And San Jose, there's a lot of like Asian American females there. And like my friend was like, "Mel, I actually think the ABG culture came from the Vietnamese mm. coffee shop culture." Mm. So, and so, like, for, for example, San Jose has a large Vietnamese-American population. So there's also the coffee shop culture where girls are a little bit more they, – they wear the eyelashes, get their nails and They're, like, dressed more, you know, you know, a little bit sexy. And so, like, they'll serve coffee. And, like, that comes from that type of culture. And then even when I think about import models, like, that was a big thing for us in high school. Like, girls would dress kind of like – like, think of Tokyo Drift, like, you know, Fast, Furious, that type of – yeah. the girls will wear, like, you know – nothing or like really minimal clothing and like pose with cars and I feel like there is it kind of comes from that type of like look and feel mm-hmm. and now we see it kind of there's a range of it now you know mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of some of my girlfriends feel more like an abg like they're the types that get their the long clackety nails that I don't don't understand <laughs> and like their lashes are very cause I wear falsies but you see the different types of falsies and you're just like that's long <laughs> um so like there's there's a range for sure but like I think sometimes even now like in LA like I don't think this is – I don't want – I don't know if this is my own assumption about certain girls, but, like, even going to, like, Arena, which is, like, a K-Town club, and people get, like – like, people wear, like, short shorts and, like, tube tops and, like, twerking stuff. You're like, oh, the ABGs go there. Like, I don't know. It's kind of, like mm. – there is a certain, like, social culture that's mm-hmm. associated with certain, like, I guess, like, lifestyle or, or, like, nightlife culture. But it is true. There is – it's weird that, like, we could be, like – archetype these certain types, but it's interesting to hear where it's coming from. So like my friend thinks it's from the coffee shop culture or like mm-hmm. for me maybe the import model culture.
1: Thank you, ladies, for sharing your assumptions of the American culture. I'm sure there could be a lot more. So if any of our listeners have some, you know, share them in the comments and we can have mm-hmm. like a discussion about this. Um, but to close us out today, uh, I would love to hear from each of you um, what you hope to share with our audience about the Asian-British experience. Um, and then kind of a, a tag on to that is, um, is there a goal or what would you say is kind of your goal for the Spill the Cha podcast?
2: um so what I hope to share about the British Asian experience as a woman I think yes it's very similar if if we're just talking about the Asian American experience here that I think it's very similar but I think as Lauren said earlier there's also many very specific differences and I think as we have discussed you know being a voice for your own experience is very important like you Mm. know if you see a gap fill it (laughs) even within your own friends or you know I mean not everyone might have other people from East Asian culture if you are Mm -hmm. East Asian um so yeah I think just kind of own your voice (laughs) that's that's what I think is a main theme through this conversation. I would say that
6: I'd want to tell people about the Asian British experience that you know we all come from very different backgrounds and our experiences are all very unique but at the same time if you're looking for a community there are now spaces that you can find definitely online whether you're in America or whether you're in the UK and I think it's finally time for us to you know start sharing our own stories and as Joelle was saying our voices um, because they are important and when we started the podcast we were like oh maybe people aren't going to want to listen to us mm-hmm. or they're not going to be interested. But I mean, look where we are now. I think we've really been able to like foster a community. And I think that's kind of my goal for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all of us were saying that, you know, our main aim has been to foster like a supportive environment for people to feel like they're being heard and being seen as well. Um, mm-hmm. So that's just from my perspective.
2: And also tagging onto that, like we've also discovered so many other british asian podcast as well Mm. um you know you can see who we're following kind of thing uh, on instagram um you know there's a lot of people out there there's a lot of media organizations popping up as well so yeah there there is a space out there like you said lauren Mm.
5: and i think yeah just following on to what lauren said like don't feel like you need to fit into either being asian or being british like being an asian british or like an asian american like that's the that's an identity in itself don't feel like you need to fit into either or um and yeah just I think even just um listening is a big one like hearing other stories and just learning more about maybe their upbringing like what makes that like what makes them them like their culture the way that they've been brought up um Mm -hmm as like a british asian i think even just listening to like your friends who might be british asian
4: well thank
3: you so much for coming on and sharing your perspective how you started the podcast and just like what your goals are for you know with yourself and with for spill the cha um for our listeners where can they find you so they can find us on instagram um
5: at spill and all major pl- uh, podcasting platforms
3: and also on youtube so just type in spill the cha on youtube Awesome. Well, thank you so much, ladies. Thank you, Lauren, Elsa, Joe, and Phoebe for joining us for this episode and being our first like podcast group that we have on, we had on the podcast, right? Is that, is that right, Jay?
1: Yeah. Our first, our first, um, I co-op. guess like episode, yeah, co-op I guess, <laughs> with uh, with another podcast episode of Asian women.
3: Yes. So, if y'all enjoy this episode and enjoy this conversation with the ladies, please give them a follow and a listen and leave a a cup of tea emoji in our Instagram (laughs) post for this episode. I've learned that I have a, I've been saying the boiler thing wrong. So, yes, (laughs) if you enjoy this episode, please leave a tea
0: emoji and, and please check them out. If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash Asianbossgirl support, or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com.
3: If you resonate with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. If you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube, where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called GRBG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is Asianbossgirl. If
1: you'd like to send a shout-out to a friend, check out our link tree and our link in bio on our Instagram and click on shout-outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all of her magic on our episodes, including this one.
3: And with that, we'll catch you all in the next episode. Bye.
7: Bye!